theyeshiva.net. We're in the middle of the Maimir here. One, two, three, four. We learned the first four paragraphs last week. And now we're holding the paragraph that begins, Amnam Inyin Hatfilahu. Amnam Inyin Hatfilah. You see, that's the fifth paragraph. Amnam Inyin Hatfilahu Avaydamu Matalamayla. The main point, one of the main points that was brought out last time in our previous year was that there are two pillars in Yiddishkeit, which we call Torah and Tefillah. And the difference between them, one of the differences is, one he says is defined as an Avoida Milmaila Lamata, and one as an Avoida Milmata Lamaila. Meaning, Torah is Milmaila Lamata, and Tefillah is Milmata Lamaila. And what does this mean? It's not just semantics, words, what's the difference if you say, you start below and you go upwards, or you start above and you go downward. It's an completely a different message, a different experience. Torah, by definition, is a taste of transcendence. That's what Torah is. Learning Torah is opening myself up, tuning in to the divine communication about life. It's the perspective of the Rebbeinu Shalom on life and on the world. In other words, it's essentially a taste from heaven. It's like manna. Man, lechem min hashamayim. Yes, a person can be in a different stage. This one can hear it, this one can't hear it. This one is open to it more, this one is open to it less. But essentially, any level of Torah, because there are infinite level, levels and layers of Torah, is really... Hashem communicating. It's Hashem giving a shir. It's Hashem presenting his take on life. <laughs> to put it very simply. That's what Torah is. It's Hashem's chachma. It's Hashem's rotzen. It's his wisdom and his will. It's his perspective on the world. That's what it is. <laughs> it's the perspective of the engineer, of the designer, of the creator. And he's sharing that with the human being. That's what Torah is. Of course, in Torah itself, there's different parts. There's Torah Shabbat there's Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat is, so to speak, uh, directly from heaven. There's absolutely no, no other participation. Min ha-shamayim, hishmiacha eskoylai, as the famous Pasuk says, from heaven. He let you hear his voice. Torah Shabal Peh is the Torah that is revealed, or part of Torah Shabal Peh, is a Torah that's revealed through the filter of the human brain. But what type of filter? Not a filter that is defined by the human brain. It's rather a filter where the Chachamim tuned into the best of their ability to the Seichel HaTorah, to the methodology of Torah, to the formula of Torah, in order to be able to apply the halacha and to understand what does Torah say about the situation? What is the Ratzin and the Chachmas Hashem about the situation? And that's why the experience of receiving the Torah is defined by two words, Matan Torah, which the word Matan is a gift. Matan Torah is the giving of the Torah. It's a matana. It's a gift. 
even though there were other parts. Why don't you call it the day of Kabbalah Satayra? So we sometimes use that word. We're going to Kabbalah Satayra. But in davening, the Antrik Nasus Hagdala, the Vatitan Lano Hashem Alekeinu Ba'ava, Moed Musim Chagim Azmanum Lasasin, Hashem Chagashuos is Azman Matan Tayraseinu. That this time is defined, they could have said Zman Kabbalah's Tayraseinu. It's Zman Matan Tayraseinu. It's the time when our Torah was given. It's defined by a matana, a gift. And when we say that, it represents this concept. A gift is not something that you create, that you earn. It's not a wage. A wage is not a gift. A wage you owe me. I put in the work, and you're paying me for my work. Hopefully it's fair pay and fair work. The concept of a matana is that it's not reciprocating for something I have done for you. It may be generally that you want to reciprocate, you want to show appreciation. But the gift is not, oh, you did this, so now you owe, now I owe you a gift. Then it's not a gift. The whole idea of a gift is the voluntary nature of it. It's coming out of volition. It's coming out of rotsin. Taka de Gemara says, he loved the oved le'naichel le'navshele oved le'matanta. If somebody, if you wouldn't like the guy... <laughs> You wouldn't give him a present. In other words, you're giving him a present because he does something for you, emes. But this particular matana is essentially something that's a demonstration of appreciation. It's not earned. And therefore, we call it matan because even though the Jewish people did work for matan they ran away from Egypt. We explained at length what it means to run away from Egypt. It's not a simple thing. They did not get entangled with Shaklavataya, with debates and arguments with the Sitra That's a big thing. They started the Avaid of Svira Sa'imer 49 days. And because of that, we have every year Svira Sa'imer. So there was preparation. It's not like Matan Taira came in a vacuum. It didn't come in a vacuum. Nonetheless, to take a nation of slaves and in seven weeks transform them into a people that can hear Anoichi Hashem Alekecha, the Rebbe says, this is a completely, a complete unexpected jump. It's what we would call a quantum leap. This is not incremental growth. What makes a person ready to be able to hear the voice of God Himself, of Atzmos, What? Maybe even a thousand years wouldn't make you ready. At some point, there had to be a quantum leap. But certainly seven weeks, even if it was seven hard weeks of refinement. It was an essentially, it was a quantum moment. This is a gift. And that's why Taira will reach every single place, even the lowest place, and it will never be diluted. Taira speaks about liars. If you learn Gemara, the Mishnah is Gemara, a lot of it deals with civil strife, civil justice, civil disputes. Reuven and Shimon are coming and they're both arguing and everybody says the money is mine. One of them is lying. And Taira is going to get involved in it. How do we prove who's wrong and who's right? When do you have to administer an oath? When do you say there's a migui? When don't you say there's a migui? So many different situations where we're dealing with possible thugs or thieves or liars. And the Torah speaks about it. The Torah addresses it. But it's always from a pristine perspective. It's the way Hashem looks at it. It's the way Hashem views it. It's the way Hashem tells us how to deal with it. So the Torah could come down into very low places. But wherever it is, it remains mana from heaven. 
And manna from heaven didn't have psoilus. It had no excrement. There was no part of the man that the Jewish people had to eject from their body. Every part of the man could be integrated into the bloodstream and into the healthy organism of the Jewish people in the desert. The Gemara tells us in Yuma, I think, Ayin Hay, right? Yuma Ayin Hay Amid Beis, it's footnote 23, that the man did not have any excrement. In other words, even though it became physical, it wasn't manna from heaven anymore. The manna descended and devolved, it went through a devolution, and it became physical. It still retained its heavenly properties. So that even when I'm eating it, and I'm digesting it, it becomes part of my blood and part of my flesh. Nonetheless, it still retains its purity, even as a physical entity, because it's essentially bread from heaven. And the same is true with Torah. Anywhere it goes, even when it comes down and it descends and it assumes incarnations that may be very similar to other systems of law, and it's dealing with lowly situations, people who are criminals and people who are lying, it still there's no psilis there. Everything is pure. And that's why he says, wherever it is, the Torah is poyal, abchines bitl. And, and as he says, not a bitl ayesh, not a bitl atzmi, an essential bitl, because it's essentially a taste from transcendence. That's Torah. Now, we go into the other, the other realm of Judaism, which becomes the main focus of this Maimer, which is tefillah, davening. And I would say that anybody who strives and yearns to be able to have a deeper and more authentic experience by davening and appreciate what it is, this Maimer is an absolute ingredient for that. Tfila is a different avoid. Tfila is an avoid milmata lamaila, not milmaila lamata, which is a higher reality flowing downward or manifesting itself downward. But avoid of tfila is no. It's Malmata. It's somebody who is below Lamaila striving to go upward. That's the key. Tefillah is all about refining every human being, the inner work of refinement according to who I am today. According to what I am. It's a completely different experience than Torah. In Torah, Hashem is talking to me. In tefillah, I'm talking to Hashem. The Hesab is real, the chilek. And that makes a big difference. Now, which one is greater? That's not, we don't ask such questions. <laughs> Each one is incredible. Torah has something that tefillah will never have. Torah is, Hashem speaks to me. And what's my job? To listen. <laughs> That's not easy, to listen. If I have static, if I have distractions, if I'm stuck, it's very hard to listen. That's why the Jews have to do Sefirah Sermon, they have to go out of Mitzrayim, Kivarachim, they can't get tired in Egypt. But wherever I am, it's not enough. I never prepared myself enough. It's always Matan Taira. Hashem speaks to me. In Tefillah, Hashem listens to me. I speak to Hashem. In Taira, I bring myself, I show up to listen to Hashem. In tefillah, Hashem shows up 
to listen to me. In Torah, I'm absorbing something that transcends me. In Tefillah, all I have is me, and I'm bringing myself, I'm offering myself. I'm bringing myself into the relationship. And therefore, the power of Tefillah is who I am today, that's what it is. Teireh is about the bittel, is opening myself up to Hashem's message on life. The power of tefillah is bringing myself into the relationship. So what's the whole union of tefillah? It's the zichuch, it's the refinement. It's working with the person according to who he is, according to who she is. And that's why even the highest level of tefillah is always bitl hayesh and not bitl atzmi. There's two states of bitl, they will become clear later, which he already mentioned earlier by Taylor. One is called bitl atzmi, one is called bitl hayesh. Bitl atzmi means that the whole etzem, the very core of a metzias, becomes completely nullified and subsumed in divine infinity. Bitl hayesh means that the I becomes aligned with Hashem. But it's not that there's no I anymore. The I becomes a reflection of Hashem. So he says, by Torah, Torah everywhere is a bit latzmi. And tefillah everywhere in the highest level is bit layesh. In other words, Torah, even when it comes down to the lowest place, it creates bit latzmi. Because it's essentially lechem and hashemayim. And tefillah, even when it reaches the highest place, is always bit layesh, not bit latzmi. <laughs> the definitions are so subtle and so uh, refined and so rich. This is a... This is the dictionary of the Balatanya, you know, he wrote a dictionary. It's not, you have Svodim, they explain concepts. They say Chidushim. The Alter Rebbe wrote a dictionary. There's words that he introduced into the vocabulary of Pnimiya Satayr of Yiddishkeit that allows you to speak about concepts that resonate in the essence of our soul, but you need words for them. So this is the dictionary of the Balatanya, and one of the powerful words is Bitlayesh and Bitlatzmi. Even in the lowest rung of the ladder, it's still bitlatsmi. Tfila is malmatalamaila. Even in the highest rung of the ladder, it's still bitlayesh. Because tfila is, I bring myself into the relationship. That's what tfila is. Tfila is, I'm speaking to Hashem. Tfila, Hashem speaks to me. We all know that tefillah is defined in avoid. That's as avoid. Avoid means service. The pasuk says, You should serve Hashem. Or the pasuk says in Ekev, this is in Vahayim Shamaya, the second section of Shema, this week's parsha. You should serve Him with all your heart. The Gemara says in in the beginning, what does it mean to serve Him with all your heart? How do you serve Hashem with your heart? What does this mean? So the Gemara says, What's the Avaidah that relates to the heart? This is what Tefillah is. And the Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchas Tefillah, uses these Pesukim. This is the source for the mitzvah of Tefillah. It says, You should serve Hashem with your heart. Just like there's a mitzvah to put on Tefillah, there's a mitzvah to where it sits. This is a mitzvah to keep Shabbos, and there's a mitzvah to believe in Hashem, or know that Hashem exists, and there's another 248 positive mitzvahs, whether it is counting the carbon Aymer, or bringing the carbon Musaf on Rishchaydish, whatever the mitzvah is, 
or giving stucca to a poor person, there's another mitzvah to serve Hashem with your heart. And the Rambam says, these are the psukim that define the mitzvah of tefillah. This is the mitzvah of tefillah. It's avodah shabalev, an avodah of the heart. Now, what do, what do we mean here? What's avoid, what does it mean, avodah of the heart? So he says, there's two words here. What does the word avodah mean? This is fascinating. The word avodah, we say work. Yeah. In Hebrew they say, go to work. Yeah. Evid, Evid is a slave, right? Avoida is servitude, work. Not Avoida. But what's the real shayrish of the word Avoida? So in Torah, the Balatanya says in Torah, Parshish Meshpatim, that the shayrish of the word Avoida comes from one of the malachas of Shabbos. One of the 39 malachas of Shabbos is, you remember? Hama'abed. Mem, ayin, beis, dalad. What's Hama'abed? A tanner. Somebody who takes the hide of an animal the skin of an animal, the epidermis of the cow, let's say, and you want to develop it into parchment, or you want to develop it, it's, you want to develop it into another leather item, whether it's a coat or a pair of shoes. It's leather. So this leather, to transform the hide into leather, is very, very, intri- it requires intricate labor and work. And that's really the definition of the word ma'abed, Ma'abed, mem ayin beis dalad is, tannery, the, the, tan, the work of the tanner is one of the labors that are forbidden on Shabbos. One of the 39 malachas forbidden on Shabbos. Taking the, the oir, the skin, the hide of the animal, and refining it, because it takes a lot of avoda. After removing the hair, now you have to work it out. Various chemicals have to be used until it's ultimately transformed into leather. That can be used for tefillin, or can be used lahavdal for shoes. Says words in Yiddish here because the Yiddish captures the soul of the idea. Just like when you're working out, a tanner takes He takes the hide that is essentially dense. And brute. You have to really work it out. You have to refine it, then refine it, then refine it until it becomes becomes worthy to be turned into a human garment. That's why Avaidas Hashem is called Avaida from the word Ma'abed. And which part of Avaidas Hashem? Particularly Tfilah. Tfilah is called Avaida. Every mitzvah is an Avaida, but Tfilah is called Avaida. Avaida Shabalev Zui Tfilah. The mitzvah of Tfilah is called in Taira. Avoided. No other mitzvah is called in Torah that. Not the mitzvah of learning Torah, not the mitzvah of giving staka, not the mitzvah of celebrating Shabbos or shaking the lulav or blowing shoifer. The mitzvah that's called Avoida is one mitzvah. Tefillah. Avoida shebeleiv zu tefillah. Why? Because it's mamish like a tanner. Tannery. What does it mean? I, I'm taking very brute skin, very brute hide, and working with it so heavily and so intensely until it's transformed into a human garment. This defines tefillah. What's tefillah? Tefillah is all about me showing up into the relationship. It's about me working on myself, refining myself. I have to take my oil, I have to take my metzias and work with it, refine it. 
find the potential that exists in it, the light that's there. So that's why even when tefillah is a climb upward, and you already reached the highest rung in the ladder, so you would expect here Torah and tefillah should meet, tefillah always remains bitl hayesh, not bitl atzmi. Because the whole function of tefillah is not bitl atzmi. The function of tefillah is not the eye becoming silent in order to listen to the thou, which is Torah. The whole avoid of tefillah is working with that eye, working with me, working with my existence. Tefillah is about that there is a metzius of a person who's doing the avoid. It's like saying, I want to do my abed, but the ur should be bottle by metzius. If the ur is bottle by there's no ma'abed. He's like the skin. The skin needs avayda. The skin needs the tannery. The skin needs to be refined. The person needs the avayda. It's one nekuda. When we speak avayda, you could speak about it in physical terms. Ma'abed and Hilchas Shabbos, which is talking about the skin of an animal. Here we're talking about tefillah. Who's the skin? The skin is the person. In Zoyar, we're sometimes called Mishcha de Chivya, the skin of the snake. So even when I reach the highest rung, it's a state of Bitl Hayash, which is Yesh Misha Battle. There's somebody who's aligned with infinity. It's not like Torah, which is a Bitl B'Metzius, a Bitl Atzmi, which means the whole core of the eye is subsumed and nullified within the infinite Thou of Hashem. So Torah is bitlatsmi. Why? Because it's Hashem speaking to the world. It's Hashem speaking to the person. So even the lowest level of Torah, even when Torah reaches its lowest level and deals with the lowest situations, it always retains its bitlatsmi. Tefillah is the opposite. Tefillah is the person showing up in the relationship. So even when I reach the highest level of Tefillah, it's always I'm showing up. It's about what I bring. It's about my limitations. That's the value of Tefillah. The value of Tefillah is not that I forget myself. The value of tefillah is that I work on myself, that it's about who I am, and therefore in the highest level of tefillah is always bitlayash. Va'idza is even deeper. The gam hamadrega chinailas shebetfillah shebebchenes bitl b'metzias hadeiz enikre b'shem bitl b'metzias enak legabe hamadrega satachtoinus shebetfillah. Avol be'emes einze ele bitlayash veinze bitlatzmi kamei bitl detayda. Even when we speak about tefillah in terms of bitl b'metzias, which means the highest level of tefillah, where the I becomes completely silent in the presence of the thou, it's called bitl b'metzias relative to the lower levels of tefillah. But it's really still bitl ayesh. It's never like Torah. That's the maila of Torah on one level and the maila of tefillah on another level. Each one has a special, special contribution. Torah is the ability for me to completely suspend myself because it's not about me. It's Hashem talking to me. I'm listening. That's what Torah is. Torah is a taste of transcendence, a taste of the divine perspective. And that's important for a person to hear. We have a mitzvah of a A Jew has to use every opportunity, every free moment to learn Torah. Today we're going to start learning Rambam Hilchas Talmud Torah. You'll see how the Rambam describes the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Tfila, tfila is a very different avayda. 
Tefillah is what? Tefillah is, Hashem is listening to me. I'm talking to Hashem. What does it mean I'm talking to Hashem? It's not just physically I'm using words and saying, Hashem, I need this, Hashem, I need this. It's much deeper than that. It's the part of the relationship where God asks me, who are you? What are you dealing with? The all of tefillah is about, so to speak, talking about talking about where I am in this connection. I'm bringing myself into the relationship with you. So, who I am, where I am, what I'm dealing with, what my situation is, what my circumstances are, what my challenges are, what my struggles are, become essential to the avoid of tefillah. It's avoid shabalev zut tefillah. I'm trying to elevate myself. I'm trying to work on myself. If I ignore that, it's not tefillah. The whole Indian of tefillah is ibud oiris. What's ibud oiris? The oir needs a transformation. It's the zichuch of the nivra. And therefore, on every level of tefillah, there's a, there's a, there's a yesh misha bottle. That's what, that's what tefillah is tuning into. Tefillah is me bringing myself into the relationship. And me bring myself into the relationship and I have to be completely honest, completely vulnerable, completely ready to look at every single facet of myself, of my personality, of my characteristics, of my godly soul and my animal soul. To be able to align it with Torah, to be able to align it with infinity. He says even the highest levels of tefillah, the highest level, which is l'chayr bitl b'metzius, as we will see, still... Lagabi it's an Indian of Bitlayesh. To use different words a little bit. In life, there's two experiences. And this is what we define as Mumailalamata, Mumatalamaila. There's an experience of Mumailalamata. Basically, imagine someone has an experience that completely overwhelms him. It startles me. It just sweeps me off the ground and has me soaring away. I I it catches me off guard to the point that I can like lose my breath as I'm mesmerized and melting away in the ecstasy of this experience of this moment. It's extremely powerful. We sometimes have such a moment in life. But as refreshing and as powerful as that is, it's not about me. It's something else that has overtaken me, that has lifted me up. That's what we call Mulmaila Lamata. And who I am at that moment is irrelevant. Sometimes you could be present at an experience, you could be present at an event, and you hear things that are extremely moving, extremely powerful, and you take them in. And the power is that it was not about me. It was about something that completely transcends me, that I was privy to watch or hear or listen or absorb or experience. That's a marshal for the concept of Torah. Tefillah is a very opposite concept. Tefillah is the concept of milmata lamayla. All I have is the mata. That's my baseline. That's what I'm beginning with. All I have to bring here is me. And who is me? Me with every, everything that's me. Everything that's me. <laughs> what do they say? The good and the bad and the ugly and the beautiful and the holy and the mundane and the healthy, and the dysfunctional, every part of my brain, every part of my heart, every part of my soul, every facet of me, that's what I'm bringing. It's momata. The baseline starts right here below with who I am. That's what I have. That's what I have. Heilach. Come to Hashem and I say, here. 
This is yours, I am here. And who's the I? The I is whatever that I looks like. That I could be very, very unrefined, can have elements of it that are extremely unrefined. And as a deep, the deeper I'm going in tefillah, the higher I'm climbing. I'm climbing more and I'm climbing more and I'm climbing more and I'm climbing more. Because even when you reach the highest rung, by definition, it's a bit layesh. Because what's the concept of tefillah? The concept of tefillah is, I'm bringing my I into the relationship, into the experience. I'm working with myself. I'm refining myself. Because of that, tefillah has a system. It's a journey. And the journey is what the Maimah is going to begin to address. What is the journey of Davani? Tefillah doesn't have one section. It has quite a few sections. Because it's a journey. It's a journey of climbing a ladder. And I start off on the bottom rung, and I begin the climb. Essentially, Tefillah is a daily exercise routine. A very intense exercise routine. If you're up for it. An exercise routine, you know, we have exercise routines that exercise and challenge you to flex every muscle in your body, stretches that affect your head and your torso and your heart, your cardio, all the way down to the lowest components of your organism. Tefillah, in the same way, is essentially stretching. Exercise, that's what it is. It's a very intense system of spiritual Pilates and stretching lahavdal, where every part of my soul, every part of my personality gets stretched. And what's the idea of stretching? Stretching is to reveal what's in it, to release the tension, to remove the blockages, to open up the flow, the circulatory flow, right? To create more vibrancy, to create a better circulation. A better respiratory system. Well, this is biology, bio, the bio, biological system. Same is true in our inner system, our spiritual system. So tefillah is that very intense daily exercise that's there to really touch every single part of my soul, every single part of my personality. And the first thing we have to understand is, it's not, you know, we look at davening, even a good davening. I put on my talus, I put on my tefillin, in the case of a man or a woman, I open up my siddur, a mechfar. So this person has a little more kavana, this person has a little less kavana, this person thinks a little bit about Hashem, this person is daydreaming, this person does it in 10 minutes, this person does it in a half an hour, this person does it in an hour. This one davens with a means, this one says every word, this one, this one is very bored, this one checks the phone, this one doesn't. All important things, not to check the phone and to have kavana. What we're going to understand here is, it's far, far, the opportunity of tefillah is far, far more rich than that. It's really a daily, extraordinary exercise routine that's been gifted to every single one of us in, the, in a life of true self-development and alignment. Because tefillah is mumatalamaila, so therefore the system of tefillah is also a system of mumatalamaila. The whole system of tefillah is a system of ascending from lower to higher. Okiyadua shatfili pchinasulam mutsavartsavarishimagiya shamaima. 
The Balatanya says in the that tefillah is a sulam, it's a ladder. And Yaakov Avinu dreams of the ladder. You remember the dream? The ladder is standing on the ground, but its top reaches heaven. The Zoya says that the ladder had a few cup, few rungs. The Zoya says that this sulam is the sulam of tzloisus, the sulam of tefillah. Tefillah is a ladder. What's a ladder? The ladder, I, st- I can't go to the top rung. I first climb the lowest rung. And then I climb, I climb, I climb, until I reach Roshim Agi So there's a Seder of Aliyah, Melmata. Where does it start? Mutzav Arza. And that's what Tefillah is. The definition of Tefillah is Sula Mutzav Arza V'Roshim Agi It's a ladder. And the ladder begins on the ground. It begins on earth. It doesn't begin in heaven. Torah begins in heaven. Hashem throws down a ladder from heaven. It begins from heaven. Tefillah doesn't begin from heaven. Tefillah begins from earth. And it's a ladder that goes up. And Roshay, the top is Magiyah Hashemayma. Tzachalas HaTefillah, what's the beginning of davening? According to Nusach Svard, this is the opening of Tefillah. According to Nusach Ashkenaz, it said right after Baruch Shalom, are close to the opening of Tefillah. It's a Pasuk in Tehillim. What's the translation of these words? Hashem literally means, thank Hashem, call out His name, and allow the nations to know his schemes, his genius. So he says, The opening of davening is with the word hoidu. What does hoidu mean? Hoidu means a general sense of gratitude and a general sense of submission. Like hoida, to be maida, to submit, acquiesce. So the truth is, is already... A haidu before haidu, which is even more general. And this is the first word a Jew says in the morning when he or she wakes up, which is, So the first words are, I am grateful. I am thankful. Or, the term maide here is not only gratefulness, gratitude, but maide from the word, like maidem chachamam l'reb meyer. I submit, I surrender, I acquiesce. Like a maide, you know, somebody says, he's maide on what he did, he confesses, or he acknowledges. Or sometimes you'll say, I'm maide to you, I agree with you, I surrender my opinion to your opinion. The miyad bekome mishnas, a moment the Jew wakes up from his slumber, lefnein netilas yadayim, even before you wash your hands, when there is still remainder of spiritual impurity on the tip of a person's fingers, which is the reason why we do netilas yadayim, we wash our hands in the morning. When the person sleeps, the hand t- can touch different parts of the body. And there's a ruach there's a spirit of impurity that also can descend on the person because there is a diminishment of life during our sleep, besides the physical idea of the hands touching different parts of the body. So when we wake up in the morning, our neshama comes back, the tumma leaves. But 
it still remains on the tip of the fingers. Plus, the first reason, the fingers may have touched certain parts of the body. So what do we do the first thing? We wash our hands, Natila Sidai. And as the Allah says, we shouldn't walk. Dalarama, six or eight feet without Natila Sidai, which is why most Jews bring the kvar to the shisel, some water near the bed, so we wash our hands near the bed. But even before we wash our hands, we say Maidani. You don't wait till you wash your hands. The moment the Jew wakes up, you say, even though he's before washing his hands, there's still because a Jew always has a soul. And the soul is a part of Hashem. It's a chelikalakamimal. There's the famous word from the Baal Shem Tev, That when you grab a little bit of the etzem, you grabbed all of it. When it comes to essence, something that is real essence, it's connected to the core of reality, a little bit, a part, and the whole is the same thing. Any part of it that you grab, it's like you grab the whole thing. It's not compartmentalized. It's not like there's you grab 10%, 20%. If you're dealing with something that's not etzem, so you could take 5%, you could take 10%, you could take 50%. For example, somebody's giving a shear. I think this is a good example. You'll say, I understood 5%, I understood 10%, I understood 50%, I understood 100%. That's a fair statement. And it's important to know how much you understood, how much you retained. Yeah, A birthday cake, I got 5% of the cake. <laughs> a pizza pie. You may have taken a half of it, you may have, to, hopefully not. You may have taken a third of it, still hopefully not. You may have taken an eighth of it. Okay. That's everything, whether it's physical or spiritual or intellectual, everything in life, it can be compartmentalized, right? And you have a part or you have the whole. Just like, I mean, the business world runs like this. right? You have investors and each of them gets a part of the cake, a part of the pie. Let's say each one has... 10% of shares, so 10 people own this enterprise. Everyone owns 10%, or one owns 50%. That's all until you're dealing with etzem. When you're dealing with etzem, etzem means something that is part of the core of reality. Here, there's no 10%. If you have a little bit of it, you have everything. Because etzem is indivisible. And because it's indivisible, either you have everything or you have nothing. But if you have one part of it, you have every part of it. Because the etzem is manifested in every single part, but essentially there's no parts. If you want a good example for this, today in biology, we have an example for these words with the Baal Shem Tov, and that's DNA. The DNA. When you're typhus DNA, you don't say, oh, it's a DNA in one cell. There's 70 trillion cells, or 50 trillion cells, so we really have nothing. It's not like you have 1% even. <laughs> you have one of 70 trillion. It's a joke. You have nothing. You have everything. You have everything. In the, very In the genome of the single cell, you have the blueprint for 70 trillion cells. It's a fascinating thing, because it's etzem. DNA is etzem. It's the nucleus of the cell. It's the etzem, it's the core of the human, of, of, of the physiological, of the human composition. It's, it's the nucleus, it's the etzem. We're talking here etzem within the physical world. 
within the physical microscopic world, even though I can't see it with my naked eye. But with the tools that we developed and we discovered in the 1950s, the DNA, we have a Gewaldike marshal for this Nekud of the Baal Shem Tev. Etzem, once you touch Etzem, you got it all. You mamish got it all. Now, and let's go back to our shear. This one got 5%, this one got 10%, this one got 20%. That's all because you didn't get the etzim. The moment you got the etzim, there's no 5% anymore. You, you got it all. <laughs> In other words, if you touch the etzim of it, you have everything. There's somebody who listens to the shear every day. For a few years already. I mean, whenever we give a shear, this person listens to it. This person once told me, that uh, it was so true, very, very accurate, that essentially, you don't need more than one mimer for your whole life. Because every single mimer has everything you have to know for your whole life. I once heard from the B'ayel Khan, Shlita, he was once giving us a shear or fabrenging, I don't remember, and he said, it says in Perkei in the fifth Perek, So Chassidim used to say, With one maimer, you can recreate yourself. So he said, then really, in life, you only need one maimer. If your toif is the etzem of it, then you have it all. If you're not taif as the etzim of it, okay, then you have one maimer. If you get to the DNA level, because again, etzim is indivisible. So it's not like I got 1% and you got 10% and he got 30% and she got 60%. That's not in an Indian atzmi. An Indian atzmi means it's something that's indivisible. It's a core quintessential reality. It's pshittis. It's undefined by chambers, by percentages. It can't be cut into pieces. It's essentially one. And because it's essentially one, if I got a piece of it, I got every, I got everything of it. When your type is the DNA of the maimer, your type is everything. And then the Bioil said, but to understand one maimer, you have to learn another thousand maimer. <laughs> you only need one maimer. That's all you need. But if you want to understand one maimer, you have to learn another thousand maimer. But why do you have to learn another thousand maimer? Not because you need another thousand maimer. To understand this maimer. <laughs> to be taif is the etzim of this maimer, you have to learn a thousand maimer. So the Rebbe says this. A Jew wakes up in the morning, you have tumah on your fingers, you didn't wash your hands, l'cha'ira. Before you say maida'ani, you should wash your hands. In fact, l'halacha. Why do we say Maidani before we... How can we say Maidani before we wash our hands? You're not supposed to say any brachas. The answer is because there's no name of Hashem. Later, we say Hashem's name. Baruch atah Hashem alakinu melechei l'mashayotzer. Eloi kai neshamer shenasat bitahidehi. Baruch atah Hashem hamachzi neshamer shlavgar emesim. We say Hashem's name. You're not allowed to say Hashem's name with Tumah. So you wash your hands first. Maidani lefanecha. We don't say Hashem's name. We say Maidani lefanecha to you. There's no name of Hashem. We refer to him, but without calling him by name. So therefore you could say it even with Tumah. That's Taka the Halacha. Why we say Maida'ani without Hashem's name, because this Tumah. But what's the Havana? Why shouldn't we wash our hands before Maida'ani? So the Rebbe says, because a Jew wakes up, even if there's Tumah, he has an Hashem. 
or she has a neshama. And the neshama is a chelik alekamimal, it's a piece of Hashem. But can there be a piece of Hashem? Hashem has pieces. Chelik alekamimal. Chelik alekamimal is a posik, an expression in Eif. But in all this svarim of Kabbalah, and already before Kabbalah, I think the Ramban already, and many other Rishonim, and Mekobalim use it to describe the neshama of a person. It's a chelik alekam. But how can it be a part of Hashem? There was a great Jewish philosopher. His name was Menashe ben Yisrael. He was also a very big social activist. You ever heard of Menashe ben Yisrael? He lived in Amsterdam. And he is the one who got Cromwell in England to allow the Jews to return to Great Britain after their expulsion. He had a very interesting way how he did it. It's not for now. Anyway, he has a philosophic work. It's called, I think, Nishmas Yisrael. His name was Menashe ben Yisrael. Nishmas, I think Nishmas Yisrael. So over there, he criticizes very heavily all the Kabbalists who use the word chelik elikamimal. How can you divide Hashem? Chelik, a piece of Hashem. Of course, this is not a philosophical term. It's a Kabbalistic term. It's a mystical term. What does chelik elikamimal mean? That's actually what it means. Of course you can't divide Hashem into parts. But ha'etzim is bechel, is The Chiddush of a neshama is that it's a chelik elikam. Therefore, if it's a chelik, it's everything. And therefore, at that moment, the Jew could say, This is a general haida, a general recognition of a relationship. It's not yet internalized, it's not yet developed. It's the moment I wake up. It's like a very general and essential relationship. Because it's something that affects the essence of your soul, because the person is not yet in a place of comprehension, of categorization, of dealing with their individual faculties. You just woke up. This we say even before Berches HaShachar. What's Berches HaShachar? Listen to how he defines Berches HaShachar. What's Berches HaShachar? Is you categorizing your faculties. What's Berches HaShachar? You go through Berches HaShachar. You know, part of the richness here is it teaches us how to be attentive to what we're doing. We all say brachas in the morning. Mizak, you know, it's an, <laughs> another thing you have to read. Berches HaShachar is really categorizing your systems. It's like anatomy. You know, you have the study of anatomy, of how the body works, every single system, every artery, every tissue, every part, every the nine system of the body. Berichas HaShachar is that. You're categorizing and you're identifying what he says, Hizchal Kos You're categorizing your koiches, your gifts, your resources, the systems that the Rebbein HaShalelem created in your body. I know there's different orders and different uschayas, but the brachas are the same. Each bracha is celebrating and accentuating another kayach. There's a system, there's categories. First thing you say is he gives the rooster wisdom to distinguish between day and night. Next, He's doing it in the Nusach of the Arizal. is he opens the eyes of the blind, the gift of sight, the ability of vision. Don't take that for granted. This is all about the construction of vessels. In other words, it's identifying the unique vessel, the unique structure that every part of the body and the human life has, which we thank Hashem for. 
Maidani is before that. I just woke up. I didn't categorize myself yet. I'm not into the systems. I did not yet identify the individual koiches, the individual faculties and characteristics of the soul and of the body. In a way, such a type of acknowledgement encompasses the whole person from head to toe in the identical fashion. Once again, the bitl comes from a place of etzem, and etzem is in the toe, just like it's in the head. I go back to my marshal of DNA. If you want to extract DNA from the person, you have to go into the brain? No, you can go to the saliva. You can go to a strand of hair. You can go to the toe on the bottom of the foot. You say, come on, how are you gonna, what are you going to know from the toe? What are you going to know from the toe? Go to the brain, go to the heart, go to the kidneys, go to the lungs, go to vital organs, not an etzem. When it comes to etzem, when it comes to DNA, you can extract the genome from any cell in any single part of the body, from the highest to the lowest, from the most vital organ to what would seem not a very consequential part of the body. Certainly my hair, you can cut my saliva, what is it? But if it's part of your living organism, mitzad the etzim, the etzim is in the foot and in the head in the same way. So when we're talking about later in davening, in brachas hashachar, here there's already a beginning of categorization. Moida'ani lefanecha is the etzim. And the etzim is a chelikilikami mal. And the etzim, shatatayfiz bechelka, shatatayfiz bekulka, When you touch that, the moment you wake up, it's beyond division, beyond compartmentalization, beyond internalization into the individual character of the person, what is it? It's a hidak, lolis. It's an essential recognition and a commitment of a relationship. Who am I? I am divine. Just like it touches the etzim of the Jew, it touches also the etzim of Hashem, because they always parallel each other. We say, that's why we say, I thank you. I'm grateful to you. We don't say Hashem's name. We don't say, No name. You. And the word is from the word Pnimius, Ponim. I'm grateful to you. Fanecha is your face, your Pnimius, your inside, your core. In other words, the core of infinity which cannot be manifested in any name and in any letter and not even in a kites. A kites is the little line on top of a letter. Like if you look at the Yud, there's a little line on top of the Yud. Not even that. It's the essence of Hashem which doesn't have a name. All I could say is lefanecha. It's your essence. I don't have a name for it. A name means it's expressed, it's manifested in some letters. It's not manifested, it's the etzim. Because just like Ma'ida'ani comes from the etzim of the Jew, it reaches the etzim of Hashem. And over there, there's no chalakim, there's no details. Halachically, that's why you're allowed to say Maidani before you wash your hands. Why? Because you're not mentioning Hashem's name. So who are you speaking to? You're speaking to Atzmos, the core. And over there, there's no Tumah. There can only be Tumah in the Kaychus Pnimim. In other words, there can only be impurity the way I process myself to myself. In the core, there's no tumma, because the core 
is always one with the essence. And in the essence, there's no divisibility. So if you got it, you got it all. And if you don't got it, you don't get any of it. So Maida Ani is the Jew, wakes up in the morning, and in that place of Etzim, there's no Tumah. You'll say, but you're Tumah. Tumah can affect only lower levels of consciousness. In other words, the way I experience myself, there could be Tumah, there could be toxicity, there could be impurity, there could be anxiety, there could be stress. When I go into the core essence, there's no Tumah. If there's no Tumah, so then you say it, even before Natal Sidaim, because over there there's no Tumah. Halachically, we say Maida'ani before Natal because it doesn't have Hashem's name. On a deeper level, we say Maida'ani before Natal Sidaim, because we're dealing with Atmos, the Atzim of the person and the Atzim of Hashem. And there there's no Tumah. But that's only true in the world of Etzim. In the world of Giluyim, Giluyim is the world of consciousness, the world where things are revealed and manifested. Maidani is only a Hidak Lalas. It's a general, all-encompassing relationship, but it's not Shaykh to the Pnimius, meaning it's not really internalized into my daily processes. And therefore, it's a beginning, it's an introduction to Tfilah. The person still has to bring it down and work through my whole being, which happens later in davening. So there's a system. So we start off Hoidu Lashem, but before the Hoidu, there's still another Hoidu. That's the first words, Moida'ani, and that's even before Natila Sidayim. Then begins the system of climbing the ladder. We're going to resume Be'ezer Hashem this year on Monday, Monday morning, 7.30 a.m. I'm going to take some questions now for a few minutes. We'll just announce the schedule. Be'ezer Hashem today at 11. There's going to be a Shir Rambam. We're starting a new section. Hilchas Talmud Torah, Pedek Aleph. Please join us 11 o'clock. You can watch it live or watch the replay. Tonight, 9 o'clock p.m. We are going to continue and complete Be'ezer Hashem, a special Siyam HaMaseches Shabbos. Yesterday we discussed the halachic aspects of it. Tonight we're going to finish that and go to the spiritual aspects of the conclusion of Masechus Shabbos. That's tonight, Thursday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Tomorrow morning, Friday, 11 o'clock, we will have our Shir Rambam as well. So, let's go to some questions, if there are. Can you define and give examples of Bittel Hayesh and Bittel B'Metzius. Be'ezer Hashem, we will do that, but we're not holding there yet. We mentioned it, but we'll see later and it'll become clear what's the difference of Bittel Hayesh and Bittel B'Metzius. The general difference is, without getting into an arichis, without getting into elaboration, is Bittel B'Metzius is that the core of the eye is subsumed in, in infinity. In other words, the Bittel is my whole Metzius. My whole Metzius is nothing but the Divine. Bitlayesh is, I align my eye with infinity. And it's two completely different stages in Avaidah Hashem. Great question. Saying Tehillim, is it Torah or is it Tefillah? It's a Gewaldike question. On one level it would seem that Tehillim is Tefillah, but Tehillim is also one of the 24 Svarim of Tarash HaBiksav, right? And the Gemara says, the David HaMelech asked, 
that saying Tehillim should be like Negoyim and Allahs, it should be like learning some of the most complex, intricate aspects of Torah. The truth is that all of Tefillah and Torah are synthesized constantly, because Tefillah has in it a lot of parts of Torah, right? The, a lot of the Tefillah is filled with Psukim of Torah, so it's part of Torah. So to make this clear, you know, demarcation in the sand between Torah and Tefillah would also be in, in, inaccurate. So Tefillah has an element of, Tehillim has an element of Tefillah in it, and it certainly has an element of Torah in it as well. I learned from Rabbi Vichnen, Olav HaShalom, Rosh Hashiva of Tiferes Bachorim and Morristown, and the Rav of Tzamech Tzedek in Monsi for many years, that if one comes late to a minion, there are two opinions as to what to do. The first, practiced by many, and brought in Shulchan Aruch, including in Shulchan Aruch HaRav, is to jump over parts of the Siddur, to catch up with the minion, and Davin Shmoyna Esther with them, because you want to have Tefillah B'Tzibur. There's another perspective, and that, he told me, is the Minig of Chabad, and it regards Tefillah as a ladder. We start from the beginning, and we go through the many levels, step by step, answering, of course, wherever possible, according to the Minyan, but we don't want to skip. And this would explain why. A child is a chelik. When we say chelik alikami mal, the way I understand it is like a child with a father. Is that true? A child is an essential part of both parents. He has the genetic code of mommy and tati, the Y chromosome and the X chromosome. He has the essence of both in combination, just as each parent is the essence of both of their parents, the grandparents, and so on and so on, all the way back to our fathers and mothers, Adam and Chava, who were created by Hashem. So this really means that we are one with all previous generations, because if I have the etzem of my father and mother, and they have the etzem of their father and their mother, it goes all the way back to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and Sarah, Rivka, Rochel, and Leah, or Bila, and Zilpah, and, uh, and all the way back to Adam, Arishim. And that's what it means, you're a chalik. So does that mean as well? It's a beautiful comment and a great marshal. In fact, you're right, because in Tanya chapter 2, this is the marshal that the Balatanya gives to explain He says, like a child who's a chalik, a part of his tati. And what does it mean, part? It doesn't mean that a child, God forbid, takes away a part of the father, right? Like, it's an amputation. No, of course not. It means that the child is a separate and distinct entity, but as a distinct entity, as a distinct entity, if you go back to the core, to the genetic makeup of this child, to the genetic code of this child, what are you going to find? You're going to find an inheritance of the father and the mother. And that's what really chelik means. And the same is true with Anashama. We say chelik elekami mal. doesn't mean it's a part of Hashem. Hashem is not split and divisible into parts, but what it does mean is a neshama becomes distinct, like a child that's born. A child is not the father and not the mother. We are not our children. Our children are not ours, even though it feels that way sometimes, but they're two separate beings. A child is a child, and a father is a father, and a mother is a mother. Nonetheless, we still say a child is an embodiment of the etzim. The etzim of the mother and the father comes out in the child, and that etzim will be given over to his child or her child, for future generations. And the same is true with Anasham, it's a chelik This also brings out another very rich point, and that is 
that all of the Jewish people from the beginning of history are really one etzem. In other words, when you go back to the place of etzem, we're completely one. The generation that stands now, that lives today, is the generation that stood by Har Sinai. It's the same generation that left Mitzrayim. It's the same generation that built the first Beis Hamikdash. It's the same generation that built the second Beis Hamikdash. It's the same generation that authored the Mishnayis and the Gemara in the second century and the fifth century after the Common Era. It's the same generation. Yes, we're different in terms of where we live and how we live and the milieu and the currents of history and the climate of history and what we look like and what our behaviors are and what type of technology we have and the fact that we're learning through Zoom or through the yeshiva.net, etc. There are quite plenty of differences. But nonetheless, on a level of etzem, it's the same dirt, it's the same generation. There's, an, there's a one mitzias that spans all of history. And when you get to that state, place of reality, there's a, there's a oneness. And, and you can't take a chalik of it. You can't say, oh, I'm dealing with one generation of Jews. There's no such a thing. If you're dealing with an etzem, you're dealing with all of history. And if you want to understand, if you get this, you'll understand that real G'dayli Yisrael, in other words, true Jewish leaders, people who understood this and lived this, they understood there's no such a thing you impact one generation of Jews. It doesn't work that way. You impact one generation of Jews if you're not dealing with etzem. The moment you're dealing with etzem, you impact all of Jewish history. The past and the present and also the future. In biology, we have also something called epigenetics. We have the concept of intergenerational trauma. Trauma can be transferred through genes. It was never thought so. Genes could transfer, you know, what color my hair should be what color, and what color eyes I should be and my metabolism, and my physique, and my height, and every other detail of my body. But trauma? Trauma is a mental space. Trauma is a, is, is a process of life. It also becomes part of the genetic code. We speak about the neshama going over from generation to generations. Every Jew has a chelikalikamimal. What if his father was an atheist, his zayda was an atheist, his zayda, zayda, zayda was an atheist? All the way back to Karl Marx. Trotsky has grandchildren today. I met a, grands, a granddaughter of Trotsky in Pittsburgh, and there's a grandson of Trotsky living in the Yishuvim in Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> and he has the same fire like his grandfather. His grandfather used the fire to destroy the world. But the fire is there. The chelik alikami mal is there, even if it's very concealed. So you say, but his father was an atheist, his grandfather, his great grandfather. They didn't even want to identify as Jews. In this Nekuda. It's an Indian atzmi. It's an it's 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 a concept of essence, and essence is indivisible. Yeah, be- beautiful marshal and beautiful hara. Okay, the last uh, next question: If the etzem is really achieved in the Maidaani prayer, why do we need the rest of the prayers? Is the rest of the prayers to get us to Maidaani? It's a profound question. The real answer is the rest of the prayers to get us back to Maida'ani in a way that is holistic and penetrating and all-encompassing. Because we don't live on the state of Maida'ani. We live in a world of systems and categorizations. And there's my daily routines and my daily behavior and everything that's happening in my brain. So I want to be able to link the Maida'ani and connect it and align all parts of my personality and all parts of my life's experiences to create that harmony. So really, we go away from Maida'ani in order to come back to Maida'ani. 
There's klal, prat, or klal. It begins with klal, with oneness, etzem. It goes into prat. Prat is going into all the details. And then there's klal, which is going back to etzem. There's chachma, there's bina, and there's das. Chachma is klal, bina is prat, and das is the klal that comes after. If you remember the Maimir of Rabhilo last summer. That's what he said here, that Maida'ani, because it's the etzem, it didn't permeate the koiches pratim. In other words, binyanim hashayachim ligiluyim, it's not shayach to pnimiyas. Maida'ani is pnimiyas, but it's the etzem. In terms of giluyim, giluyim is how I experience my life. Maida'ani remains abstract, it remains transcendent. And that's why it's only an introduction for tefillah. As we will see in the continuation of the Maimah, which is going to go through the whole ladder of davening. Be'ezir Hashem, have a wonderful day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.